Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint. I'm here with Jessa Crispin for the latest episode of Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. We're back from a short break. Jessa was traveling far and wide while I'm in the midst of moving houses. But now we're as excited as ever to talk astrology with you in the new year. As always, this podcast is made possible by our patrons. If you love our wild, weird take on the stars, consider pitching in on Patreon at patreon.com badastro to become a part of our growing community. For a small contribution, you'll get access to bonus episodes, monthly forecasts, Q&A videos where you can ask us a question about your personal natal chart, and lots more. If you're still working out what you want to do in 2020, you'll get access to our year-ahead forecast episode as soon as you join. Another great way to share the love is to add a positive review about us on iTunes so the mysterious algorithm can work its magic and suggest our podcast to even more lovely people. And of course, if you aren't following us on social media already, what are you doing? You can find us at Bad Astrologers on Instagram and Twitter, so give us a shout the next time you log in. Now, time for the episode. This week's episode is the second in our series on the sacred feminine in astrology. This time, we're talking about Vesta, the eternal flame of Rome, daughter of Saturn, ruler of Virgo, and goddess with a phallus. Yes, you heard that right. How does this asteroid energy show up in your chart and in your life? Keep listening, and we'll tell you all about it. Just sit back, relax, and let's start the show. Hi, everybody. So today we are going to be talking about Vesta. You guys uh, were very, very excited about the idea of talking about more of the sacred feminine in astrology, and we are too. So after Lilith, um, Vesta is very, very cool. Uh, Yes, very different. Very different vibe. Um, Less like a wild she-demon and more um, will lock you in a tomb uh, buried alive if you don't do your life's work. Well, Both kind are of pretty same, metal. Now that, now yeah. that you describe them that way, they're kind of the same. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I'm curious, for the people who maybe don't know, who is Vesta in mythology? Can you give us like the quick and dirty version? Yeah, so Vesta kind of essentially does not exist um, in written form. So she is one of the few gods or goddesses not to be depicted in art. She doesn't really have any stories. um, And yet her temple was incredibly important um, and still is in places. And so she's more of, and this is how I sort of like think of her in how that relates to astrology. I think of her more as a space in your chart rather than a personality or a specific energy. It's more about space creation than um, this is the kind of person that you're, you know, the kind of energy that you're dealing with or whatever. Um So Vesta was the goddess of the hearth. 
she was um, mostly depicted not as a figure, but kind of as a phallus, making her a goddess with a phallus, which yes. is fun. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, and so it's about sacred fire. Um, her temple is only really known in sort of modern day as being the Vestal Virgins, uh, the women, the priestesses who were whose job it was to keep the fire going. And then, of course, if they didn't, the uh, the rumor is that they were buried alive. Um, and also they had to be virgins while they were priestesses. And again, if they had sex while they were priestesses, they were buried alive. Also the men. Um, the men were also tortured to death as well, just in case anybody's wondering or worried about gender disparity. <laughs> Yes, they were uh, very equal in their uh, treatment of people who did not follow the rules, which is to yeah. say uh, very severe. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I love that you said that it, you think of her more as like space creation um, than like an actual personality. And I think that fits perfectly. I kind of conceptualize her the same way. I mean, she was uh, the embodiment of the sacred flame of Rome and I kind of think of her as opposed to being like a human woman figure as that flame and when you look at the mm -hmm. chart you can see it's an area where you're just very it's something that lights you up um, and that you are more than happy to make sacrifices for it you know yes um, it is one of the, it's also I mean part of this is because it's an asteroid and part of it is because it's like a kind of um uh, lesser known goddess. I have found that the descriptions of what Vesta means in your chart are pretty fucking hilarious. Um, I do just want to share that I, when I Googled mine, um, which is Vesta in the seventh house, it was told that I need to find a relationship with somebody that I can serve and look up to, which... Yikes. Um, yeah, it's pretty, A, pretty disgusting, and B, hilarious if you know me and the <laughs> dirtbags that I have a tendency to date in my history. I mean, um, I have Vesta and Libra, and so I guess does that mean the same thing for me? I gotta make probably. sure that I'm a yeah. subservient wife. Yeah, um, or maybe I just marry somebody very tall. I mean, I married somebody short, so I, that also doesn't uh, work. My right. husband is a very average height, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're fucked. We're doing Vesta all wrong, man. <laughs> I know. What are, what are we doing with our lives? Yeah, I have, if you're looking for materials on the uh, sacred feminine in the astrology chart, uh, my go-to book is always Asteroid Goddesses by Demetra George. I love it. It's great. I wish that the descriptions of uh, the specific placements were a little bit longer, but like the fact that there's a book on these sort of little known um, placements at all is a delight and it's a great place to get started. And she does a really good job unpacking um, the, the mythology and meaning um, behind Vesta and several others. So. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I still had that feeling of wanting um, and just hours of obsessing down the astro theme uh, problematic uh, chart search function. <laughs> Oh, yeah. trying to yeah. find decent people to discuss <laughs> no yeah well that's the thing about Vesta like you know 
I, I do feel like she's often talked about as being, oh, this is about your higher calling. This is about your purpose. This is about, you know, the sacred. And yet a lot of people keep terrible things sacred. So um, there's a lot of terrible, heavy placement vested people. Um, oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> I found that a lot of them to be, and we'll get into this more, like, it's a placement of extremes. Like, if you have a prominent Vesta, like, you are, go big or go home, like, all the way. Yeah. What what you um, sort of value is going to be, like, all eggs in that basket, even if what you value is, like, genocide. Um, hopefully sure. you yeah. don't, but it could happen. So where should we begin talking about her functions? Um, well, let's talk about the connection to Virgo, um, because obviously yes. this is well debated in astrological circles, um, whether or not Vesta is the ruler of Virgo or whether it's Mercury. Yes, yes, yes. I, well... I have strong feelings about rulerships of things anyways. Um, but I think they're kind of two sides of a coin or two different flavors of a similar experience with one maybe being more um, not masculine, but cerebral, um, whereas Vesta is the sort of uh, thinking and creative side of things that is more expressed through feeling that sort of like bodily inspiration that you get really like. I think they can coexist, but looking at the themes of Virgo, you know, especially pulling from the book, like focus, commitment, work, sacrifice, um, keeping up a devoted practice in uh, service to something like that feels very Virgo to me, maybe even a little more than Mercury. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we can just do, you know, like the Scorpio thing of like, oh, there you can both be winners. Um, <laughs> everyone gets a trophy. Everyone gets everyone gets to rule Virgo. Um, but yeah, no, to me, the attachment with Mercury has never ne necessarily made a ton of sense. I mean, except for that, a lot of uh, you know Virgo influenced people. Um, do tend to be more verbal or intellectual in the way that they express it. Um, and also, it's weird, I guess, to think of a of a a ruler of a of a house or chart or something like that being like a like a space rather than an actual figure. Um, mm -hmm. So, yet co rulers maybe make sense. Like, what would Mercury do with Vesta's fire? Um, kind of thing rather than one or the other. Yeah, I definitely think like that works for me. It reminds me of um, Aquarius, um, which is ruled by both Saturn traditionally and then Uranus. Um, mm -hmm. it, when when you meet Aquarius people, at least for me, I feel like they like they always fall into one camp or the other. You know, they're either like the like very straight laced, um, hard science. Um, person next door who never causes any commotion type Aquarius or they're like off the charts I'm a space alien Aquarius gonna dress like David Bowie and just be completely free love um, Uranian type of Aquarius so I think mm -hmm. maybe 
Virgo people might have the same experience. Like you identify really strongly with one or the other, Vesta or Mercury. And the fact that Vesta mythologically is Saturn's daughter makes a lot of sense to me. Um, in the sense of it is a kind of similar vibe to Saturn in the sense that like everything has to have like a specific purpose or meaning. Um, there's a lesson in everything. Um, there's a sense of duty to it. It, it. it does feel kind of like with Virgo that it's a feminine form of, of a Saturn experience somewhat. Absolutely. I love that she's the daughter of Saturn. I didn't actually realize that until looking into it. And yeah, she, I, I think characterizing her as the feminine form of the Saturn experience is perfect. Um, because not uh, everyone's Saturn experience is going to be the sort of gendered, like, go out and do traditionally male things, like striving, constant striving and... Um, you know, the achievement-based economy that capitalism makes us okay to have the sort of more spiritual or inner devotion aspects to your striving to. Right. I mean, Saturn rules the 10th house, which is the house of career, which is I'm going to do every a lot of stuff to get everybody's attention. And then, you know, the sixth house is a house of work, um, which is just, is just what I'm going to do because it needs to be done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, again, uh, as a disclaimer, masculine energy doesn't, doesn't line up with masculine biology and so on and so on. We're yes. using yes, yes. archetypal, yes. I always feel like I, I need to say that because I read a lot of astrology where people forget. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that's been so cool about the astrology boom is being able to talk about astrology with people who have that sort of quick and innate understanding that, you know, um, sex is not biological. Um, and these are things that, you know, we just naturally um, but yeah, a lot of the older astrology books, it's really messy and very stressful. Yes, um, it is very stressful. You have to do a lot of work in your head to make it acceptable. <laughs> I know. Like, you're constantly doing that, like mental gymnastics to be like, okay, if you tell me one more time to look at the aspects to my son for, to find out what kind of men I'm going to be interested in, I'm going to punch you in your face. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. We have no time for that in the year of the dad apocalypse. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so for Vesta's rulership, I was curious what you thought about. Um, I have read about, and um, Demetra George talks about this, like competing rulership, like does is Vesta more aligned with the energy of Virgo or of Scorpio? That I don't doesn't make any sense. think that she's ruler of Scorpio in any way, shape or form. Uh, I think that might be like a little bit of the reduction and like mythologizing her uh, connection to sacred sexuality in a way that's actually just like mischaracterizing it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like that generation of astrologers, as great as they are and as hard as they worked, didn't Liz Green decide that cancer actually or the moon actually rules the 10th house? 
and Saturn what? rules the fourth house. Yeah, she flipped no. it, and I've still, I'm still get, I still get. I'll just every once in a while I'll remember that, and I will get so angry. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, yeah, I'm so she, upset she, by this concept. <laughs> yeah, no, she did it, and I was like, what the fuck are you? Do you think you're doing? Um, I think it was in Saturn, the a new look at the old at the old devil. Um, oh, maybe yeah. I have to reread it. Yeah, and Yikes. she's like, and she's peers with uh, Demetra. So, so yeah. So look, sometimes people get things wrong. <laughs> yes, we're all fallible people, and it's good to experiment. Something I've been thinking about with astrology lately. I'm gonna try and not let this become too much of a rant or a tangent is the mm -hmm. very, it's very complicated at times to determine what part of someone's natal chart is causing a certain thing to happen. Like sure. maybe she was looking at somebody who had the moon conjunct the midheaven. And, you know, obviously that's a harbinger of like fame or just feeling really comfortable in the public eye or uh, being thrust into that for family reasons. But like just because that is a thing does not necessarily equate to um, it ruling the 10th house just because they have an affinity for each other. I'm not sure. It, I just feel like it's a good idea to always, uh, always be questioning in your mind and like see how many different ways you can add up that astrological equation before like jumping straight to, we found a new ruler for such and such. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of years of people are wrong. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> mm. You hate to see it. You really, really do. Ugh. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts on having an unaspected Vesta are, because I know that you love unaspected things. Well, I have an unaspected Vesta. You do? Um, okay. Yeah. My, my Vesta is talking to fucking no one. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, when it, whenever there's an unaspected planet, I, I tend to just see it as like a, um, like a, a, a lifelong problem, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And something that you don't have conscious control over and something that's not integrated into the rest of your real life. So having an unaspected Vesta um, is a bit like having a disconnected relationship with ritual of it not really doing for you what it might do for other people you have to kind of force it um it doesn't necessarily make sense to you um but it has a sort of like out your outsized like almost like you're accidentally creating rituals all the time that you're not even conscious of but when you sit down to actually kind of create a sacred space it's like nobody shows up the gods don't show up um so that to me is like when i look at performers who have unaspected vestas um i can see how they are kind of like accidentally creating rituals on their stage constantly like somebody like jeff buckley who had an unaspected vesta oh wow okay. and who whose concerts really were like these kind of weird sacred spaces um so to so to me that's how it's done like that's 
what an unaspected Vesta is like is like if he tried to be like okay we're going to take us all to a higher place of consciousness I think it wouldn't have done anything um but he sort of accidentally created those spaces just by sort of being in them wow that's incredible yeah I'm just thinking about his uh musical legacy and I feel like even just listening to one of his songs kind of you have that semi-religious experience you my i have an astrologer friend and we're we're both uh obsessed with jeff buckley's chart right now so we're talking okay good <laughs> i completely welcome it um yeah doing the prep for this episode i had to like resist clinging on to the charts of people that i love so much i was like i am not putting nicole kidman on my list again this is, i can't do <laughs> we, it we can't. well if we can avoid talking about kanye it will be like the no. first episode he's not a vesta person so thank, <laughs> thank god. god he's not gonna be in this episode oh Okay, so we should probably unpack some Vesta stereotypes because there are a lot of them and none yeah. of them are very good or real. Yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind is I feel like Vesta in when you read the, you know, earlier in- interpretations, it's often like if you have a strong Vesta, you are a wonderful person. You help the elderly and love animals and are of service to everyone all the time and never have any mean thoughts. Um, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just want to say that having a strong Vesta does not necessarily make you a good person or a saint. Um, some people use that energy for bad. It can become the sort of like single-minded uh, zealotry for a really horrible cause. Think about like uh, Fidel Castro or Vladimir Putin. Um, but then you also have people like uh, Pope Francis, or according to Astro theme, Jesus Christ had um, all these people have their either their sun or their rising conjunct Vesta. They are the Vesta. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Putin. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Sorry. <know. laughs> um, I'm obsessed with this chart. You knew I was going to bring it up. Yeah, well, we all have our touchstones. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's a, that's that's the thing. Is like this, just because. Well, and this is another thing that I hate about contemporary astrology, but um, the idea that you're because Vesta is about keeping something sacred that you're going to use that for good ends and not, you know, like Rasputin. <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah. That one was good. <laughs> yeah. So to me, to me, it's just, a um, we have to talk. This is about form, not, not content. The content is up to you. I mean, Hitler had a really prominent, I mean, Hitler had Vesta conjunct <laughs> Venus. I'm sorry that I'm talking about yes. Hitler. <laughs> Um, but let's just say that maybe he, he didn't keep love (laughs) sacred in his life. Uh, Yeah. Definitely not. No, as far as the like contemporary astrology thing, I just want to yell at everyone. Like everything in astrology is neutral. It is neither good or bad. It is just neutral and it's up to the person who has it to, you know, act in whatever way they're going to act like yeah best it doesn't make you a saint 
Hitler proves that. Yes. Hitler proves a lot of things. <laughs> That's the poll quote. <laughs> I'll put that on Instagram. Um, yeah. So another stereotype uh, that should definitely be avoided with Vesta is the idea, because of the Vestal versions, that all people who have a strong Vesta, so when we say that, we're talking about like Vesta conjunct the sun or uh, some other planet or conjunct one of the angles. Um, it does not mean you're going to be celibate. Um, it, it can, but it could also just make you really horny. Um, again, with the ex- Vesta bringing out the extremes of the sexual spectrum. Um, so we said Pope Francis before, obviously, if you're a priest. Um, and I don't know, not like the young Pope. Uh, there are vows of celibacy there. But then also like Ron Jeremy has it on his son. Yeah. Or his yeah. rising. Sorry, this is rising. Um, but yeah, those are uh, wildly different. Well... Not to be, <laughs> do it. Not, not to be disagreeable or read too much into Ron Jeremy versus Pope Francis. I'm sure they have a, they would have a lot of things to talk about. But um, you know, both are using their sexuality as a way of keeping true intimacy at bay. Um, Ron Jeremy by fucking everything so he doesn't have to you know feel anything in his heart, and then uh, Pope Francis to avoid you know. Um, to avoid true, honest uh, intimacy with a human being so that he can, you know, move into a divine space. It's fine. That was beautiful. That was deep. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Very succinct. This is why they pay me 20 cents a word. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um incredible I, it's a virgo moon right now as we're recording this and you have a yeah. virgo moon so i feel like you're yeah. just especially on your bullshit today i'm um, deep in my bullshit today yeah <laughs> it's been a weird day it has so i haven't seen uncut gems yet but i, I have you have did you like it mm-hmm. i did not okay I only bring it up because I saw that Adam Sandler, he has his son conjunct Vesta along with this huge Virgo stellium, Mercury, Venus, Pluto, and Uranus. So if Vesta does rule Virgo, he should be like the ultimate Vesta guy. And I'm wondering if his like recent success as a dramatic actor with Uncut Gems doesn't, you know, really show his uh, Vesta style commitment to the craft of, of acting. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, does does he have dedication to? He craft? has prolific. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's a. Uh, I mean, he spent based. like the last the last fifteen years making racist, terrible movies for Netflix, like for a billion dollars. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I know you can have like a lot of Virgo and be a douchebag. Um, which is not to say that like I hate I hate Adam I I love Punch Drunk Love Uncut Gems was fine it was fine um, I didn't yeah. see it I heard it gave people like panic attacks because it was so stressful I was like I don't need that energy in my life <laughs> I don't know yeah I didn't really understand why people thought that because it's a movie about a gambler which means you know how it's inevitably going to end because That's all true. it's the same story um, so I I was kind of like I was kind of bored but. Um, 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't know about, I don't know about this Adam Sandler commitment to craft. <laughs> Fair enough. I think, you know, what? I'm not even going to begin to talk about what Twitter has been recently because I don't, I don't want to, it's too, too bananas and I just have no desire. So I'm going to stop right there and we're going to switch gears. <laughs> okay. How about that? Um, okay, so this might be an example that you'll like a lot better. So I was noticing that like several, at least three of the 90s alternative rock ladies. So Fiona Apple, Shirley Manson, um, and then Troy Amos in a different way all have really strong Vesta energy. What's yeah. up with that? Yeah, I mean... Well, they were, um, they're all, well, I mean, Shirley Manson is just a singer. Right. Uh, I don't think, I don't think that she plays an instrument. I could actually be wrong about that. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if she actually plays an instrument, but, um, both Fiona and Tahori, um, were both kind of child prodigies and from a very early age were devoted to learning their instrument right and that to me because that was definitely a part of sort of 90s culture was um the sort of weird eccentric singer-songwriter very authentic um craftspeople was kind of you know what people were after what was hot at the time it just sort of embodied i mean i don't know what like vesta itself was doing in the 90s that might um that might make this clear but also a lot of those people were born with when pluto and uranus was in virgo right and so vesta mm, is yeah, a right. um is a virgo thing that might also make sense of it. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, just uh, strengthening our argument for the fact that Vesta is the true ruler of Virgo. Yeah. Um, so I, I looked it up on Wikipedia, which is always correct. Uh, <laughs> always. <laughs> and it turns out, so she was um, similarly involved in learning um, musical instruments from a very early age, got involved in musical theater, um, and that was sort of her um, gateway into doing music. So yeah, there's, the, there, there's a similar um, learning piano and, and classical. Excellent. I have no idea if my my version of the interpretation has anything to do with anything, but I'm going with it since it worked out. <laughs> I feel like I also feel like there's this sort of I mean, not necessarily because they definitely have they straddle a very 90s line of having a certain brand of sex appeal that is in some ways predicated on like a unavailability or sure feeling of cleanliness um yeah that i think is super vesta in nature yeah yeah i agree with that i mean i do like with the whole vesta being the goddess with the phallus thing and tori amos having vesta conjunct her 
Mars in Libra, um, this, uh, this line that she has of give me peace, love and a hard cock, which is a very, it's an incredibly Mars conjunct <laughs> best <Yeah>. Libra <laughs> statement. <laughs> Most definitely. You love to see it. Um, so another, uh, example that I was curious about, especially since I know you have a, a deep and abiding love of Berlin. So mm-hmm. I was looking at places that have a Vesta that feature prominently. So Los Angeles, of all places, has Vesta in Virgo, um, mm. which is not what I expected. I don't know if you no. have any thoughts on that. And then Berlin has Vesta in Scorpio and on the Midheaven. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So I don't know. Do you feel like that's accurate? And if so, like, how does Berlin embody the Vesta spirit? I don't know about Los Angeles because I've never actually been there. Although it makes sense that, like, with the Virgo, because, I mean, if you look at directors' charts, they usually have a shit ton of Virgo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to but- be kind of a obsessive control freak side of Virgo to, like, be a director and do it well. I don't know, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So having the film industry there makes sense with Mm -hmm. that connection. Um, With Berlin, yeah, I I kind of, it makes an intuitive kind of sense, although I'm not sure, I'm not sure really how. I mean, the Scorpio part, definitely, because Berlin is constantly this like font of, um, you know, the the early sexologists who sort of defined homosexuality as a separate kind of sexuality um, as, as a, as a kind of identity, even that all happened in Berlin, um, you know, sort of decadent um, nightclub culture, whether that's sort of Weimar era or club culture in the eighties and nineties was sort mm-hmm. of a lot of it birthed there. Um, yeah, so to me, that sort of makes sense. Also, a lot of war keeps coming up there, which is a very sort of Scorpio um, experience. But it is like Berlin is in this constant sense of um, death and rebirth, um, constant form of regeneration and reinvention, um, which is why it appeals so much to artists and musicians and crazy people i guess as well um (laughs) yeah to me to me that sort of makes an immediate kind of sense that's beautiful yeah never been to berlin but it's very high on my list of must go to maybe i'll have to take a trip and for research i will say like part of this sort of sun plus vesta experience like uh, the list of people it's very it seems like people if we're if we understand like Vesta as being like a sort of sacred space then whatever planet it is conjunct can be the thing that it holds sacred sun is kind of like the ego <laughs> like ah, I'm saying this is like yeah. very well uh-huh. branded effectively well branded people um and people who whose name is sort of equal to what they created or what they, you know what I'm saying? Like Prince. George yeah. um, R. R. Martin, especially. Yeah. Stravinsky, Brad Pitt, 
um, Carl Jung, like these are brand names, even if they're not. Um, yeah, no, it just it just makes sense to me that Vesta has that kind of um, framework for sort of elevating whatever it is that uh, it's uh, it's conjunct. Even if it's the self, right? In Even the- if it's the self. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. I I mean, people know Brad Pitt. They don't know Brad Pitt as an actor so much. You know, they know Brad Pitt. Yeah. They know Fiona Apple, whereas they might not actually be able to name any of her songs. That's true. That's very true. The one example with, of Sun Vesta that just tripped me up I just didn't get it is Monica Lewinsky and she's got Sun Vesta and Leo in the 10th house but she's a brand now she is right very well branded on all the internets yeah she doesn't even I don't know does she even have a job is it just like to be on Twitter that's why I was confused I don't know yeah no I think I think Monica Lewinsky's job is just now being Monica Lewinsky and being adorable on Twitter, like I, right. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> could be. Yeah, and then you have people like I feel like Florence Nightingale. I almost didn't even want to mention her as an example because she's so like what comes into your mind when you're like Vesta is going to be of service. Um, yeah, but if you need your like household name Vesta example, she's there too. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was kind of personally invested in learning more about people who had their Mercury conjunct Vesta because I have my Mercury conjunct Vesta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it really intriguing that the the big household names that had that in their charts are people who had restrictions or limits on their ability, huge followings, but some sort of restriction or limit on their ability to use their voice. Um, Britney Spears is one, and I've always avidly watched the, uh, sort of drama play out between her and her family because nobody deserves that. And it's such a mess. Mm. Um, and you know, like her music or not, she's been, and you know, she's a workhorse. She, she shows that sort of Vesta dedication to what she does. Um, and then I almost hate to bring it up given, uh, the current discourse, but Prince Harry um also has this mercury conjunct festa and you know when i put when i started these notes like none of the stuff had happened with like him and Meghan markle like ditching the royal family um and going to secure their bags i guess um which (laughs) shout out to them very excited can't wait to see what you do and happy to give you money for it um but yeah i mean i i think it's really cool that he was able to find a way uh out of that sort of uh vesta style uh you know calcified entombment right you know Mm -hmm. who needs the monarchy when you can just uh do your own thing and that's not to say he's not very privileged um it's not like he's starting from nothing but it's an interesting way of looking at the mercury vesta thing for sure so then do you feel, I mean, so you have Vesta conjunct Mercury in the mm-hmm. 10th house or 11th house, whichever, whichever house system you're using, but either one is in a sort of like public space. So do you feel a kind of limitation about what you can say in public as well? 
Hmm, that's a really good question. I actually didn't think about this before we talked. Yes, um, less so now. Um, I definitely experienced huge limitations on what I felt like I was able to say um, growing up and even into my young adulthood um, because I came from a very conservative uh, religious background and uh, turns out I'm a gay witch. Um, so <laughs> that went really well. Um, I mean, it was a challenge learning how to, um, you know, embrace being a writer in, uh, you know, a space where that was not what was really wanted of me. Um, and then also, you know, now I feel really comfortable, um, with my role as a writer, but, um, sometimes there are ways in which the astrology and witchcraft worlds intersect with sexuality that I'm not always comfortable talking about because I'm also an educator. Um, mm -hmm. and everything I do, I'm always thinking like, what if somebody's parents reads this? What is their response going to be? Um, but I think over time, it, similar to, I guess, Prince Harry, the example, I've just had to say, no, like, this is who I am. These are my rules and limits. I've clearly defined what my um, public voice is. And if people have an issue, you know, I try to be very polished and clear about it. But you got to say what you got to say, even if it means a sacrifice. I've definitely had to sacrifice a lot to use hmm. my voice. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> No, it's good. Um, yeah, so then how, if you have a client or someone who's listening who has a strong Vesta presence, how, what do you recommend for them in order to figure out how to use it in the best way? Yeah, so do the obvious thing first to find out what sign in someone's house is in and then what aspects it's making. I feel like sometimes the aspects are most important um oftentimes unless it's like personally requested by a client um i'll only really talk about the asteroids that are making some sort of specific connection with them like it's on their sun or on their ascendant or on their mercury or something like that um and then once you know those things um make an effort in whatever area of your life it touches um housewise to Think about, I don't want to say creating some sort of spiritual practice because that's too boring, but like reminding yourself that it's okay to just do the work. Like sometimes Vesta is about that learning to love the experience of grinding, right? <laughs> <laughs> Having a Vesta on my Mercury, that's been a personal challenge for me. I don't know what sort of ridiculous hubris it was that made me think that writing would be fun all the time. Um, mm -hmm. It's fun a lot of the time, uh, but it's also like very horrible other times. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, making that um, connection that this part of your life, it can be one of the most rewarding parts of your life that is... Uh, that exists for you, but also one of the most challenging, you know, I think about the example of the Vestal Virgins and just how much, um, there's a strong sense of responsibility that comes along with Vesta, especially being the, um, daughter of Saturn, um, thinking about how you can take responsibility in their area of your life, how you can work hard. And also you mentioned space, like how can you make more space for that thing? Um, and then as far as the sign, I would say the sign is, more the specific flavor of how you go about doing that. So if I may use myself as an example, 
um, my Vesta is in my 10th house. So that's obvious. Like I write things for the internet. It's public. Um, but the Libra, I often work with creative partners or collaborators and editors, and I really embrace that. And also the sort of beauty aspect. I, I am a little bit finicky about like, I have to be in a pretty surroundings and feel really comfortable. There has to be like a Venus element to that creative spark in order for it to go. Mm. I don't have any other um, connections besides the Mercury. But yeah, just, just really unpack it and make space for it. How about you? What would you tell a client who is wondering how to um, embrace their Vesta more? Um, yeah, I think you kind of, I think you kind of covered it. Um, you know, with the thing in Virgo, I do think that there's a health element to Vesta that in the sense of like, um, if you don't create the space and enough sort of um, time for retreat and restoration, then it is a sort of, uh, f for whatever house or sign um, it falls in your particular chart, there can be sort of health consequences for that. Um, but yeah, I think as far as what you said, we can go with that. I think it's good. You did a good job. I think you're totally right about the... Um health aspect like sometimes the sort of creative practice that everyone talks about with the you know virgo style devotion or um vesta style like i'm going to write in my journal now um has to do with the habits that you put in place so that to sort of keep that fire kindled like mm -hmm. you can go to the coffee shop and try and write as much as you want but like if you haven't slept in a week you're not gonna get fuck all done you right. know, yeah. <laughs> you had to get the, the fundamentals first, for sure. Um, oh, Vesta transits. I don't know. Have you ever paid attention to transits from Vesta? Do you have any experiences to draw from? Honestly, I've, I've never. The only asteroids that I pay much attention to when it comes to transits or asteroid for, or other, you know, non-planetary um figures <laughs> yeah um it's really just um lilith and juno are the only ones that i pay a lot of attention to um otherwise festa i don't know so um how about you do you pay attention to transits do do I, vesta transits matter i think they matter i've noticed them in charts of clients um was when i kind of started picking up on it um, whenever I have a client who's like, I'm suddenly feeling called to do X type of creative work, or I have this big idea and I'm going to turn it into my agent or something like that. Usually there's a Vesta component to that. Um, so if you are a creative person, Vesta transits might be something for you to look at. Um, I don't want to say too much about them because like, because my Vesta is conjunct Mercury, like I feel like that kind of skews. It's not like a pure Vesta experience. Um, but yes, creative people rejoice. Look at when you're having a Vesta transit and it might be a time when you can um, come up with something that's really meaningful to you. Very good. 
I love Vesta. I'm. Uh, I thought that Keanu Reeves was a Vesta person, but I looked it up, and he re- he's really not. He has it sort of close to the Descendant, though. So. Oh, so maybe he projects it onto other people. Maybe. No way to know for sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll be back next time, maybe with more asteroids, with most certainly with less Kanye West. So thanks for listening. (laughs) 